welcome to where the furniture isn't always the best, but them views, they are amazing. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Glad to be here with you this week. I am your host. You know how it goes. My name is Carol, but they call me Coach K. Sometimes they call me Morpheus. Sometimes they call me the tuner. And I will be your moderator this week. Joining us this week, we know Faison promised you last week that uh, we were going to have all the fellows. We lied, but we did bring a special guest and we will introduce him shortly. But speaking of Faison, what's going on, sir? Life, man. Life is good. Um, it's been a crazy week. Uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed last week's um, Arts Corner. Got a chance to see that. Um, but uh, it hasn't gotten better. I'll say that. It's been a crazy week. I thought that was a pinnacle. And uh, <laughs> it just took a sharp left turn. Um, but personally and family-wise, I'm good. I'm great and I am happy. More importantly, did you register to vote? Oh, I registered to vote in Georgia and turn the state purple. I'm ready. Okay, go. good. Good, 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 good. BJ. Yes, sir. I need you to say something different than I'm blessed and highly favored. I need you to say something different for the people this week. We, that, that's always a staple, you know, but again, this week has been a lot better than last week. Again, we weren't on the podcast. Last week was the week from hell, um, a true test of where where you're at in life and what you decide to do but i'm um, i'm excited because we had Kara and i had a chance for this weekend to do some work with mortar and just reaffirm that we we got to step into our purpose man we just gotta we gotta make things happen this weekend was just a testament that there's great things to come um and it's just it's up to us to make it happen so i'm excited man yep we'll come back and touch on that briefly i was hoping brett was going to be here to be the one to conduct that conversation and that experience but that's all right we'll fill in and we'll we'll cover it uh but ladies and gentlemen this week we have a special guest and for those of you uh who have ever owned a house bought a house looking to buy a house uh this is definitely going to be one for you even for those of you that may be looking to investing um in real estate uh this is the one for you so definitely get your notepads be ready because uh, we're going to drop some gems today. And we didn't just bring just any realtor on here. We, we One, we're just so happy that we could find a brother to bring on. Um, nothing against the sisters that have been on the podcast, but, you know, the ladies are always ready and willing to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they come to us and ask us, when can we be on the podcast? Um, it's tough to get brothers on here. Like, <laughs> like we, we've had some, but it's just hard. Yeah. Um, so once again, if, if you're out there and you're listening, and again, I didn't say in the beginning, but I'll say it now, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Google Play, iHeartRadio. You can catch us on, what's the new one? Anchor. Yes. You can catch us on YouTube. Subscribe, uh, like. Yep. Subscribe, like. You can catch us on Spotify. Uh, you can catch clips on Instagram and Facebook, but nothing is as good as you listening to the whole thing, either via one of those platforms or watching it live on YouTube for all the crazy shenanigans that are going on in the background when we're recording. But 
Let me get back to our special guest today. So our special guest today uh, has been a resident and investor in the Metro Atlanta real area for over 15 years. Uh, has also bought, been involved in real estate, started out part-time when he wasn't quite sure it was the move to make, um, and then transitioned to doing it full-time. I'm going to hold on saying what he transitioned from because most people will say uh, he's insane, he's a lunatic for doing that. Uh, but he's been a full-time realtor for the past two years. Now, here's where it gets interesting. His academic training is in healthcare, where he received his doctorate. That's right. We are bringing you a doctor uh, in pharmacy and pharmaceutical sciences from the Mecca, Howard <laughs> University. Right. A bunch of people just said H-U in their car. Uh, some of you said it in your home. Some of you said it in your office. All types of stuff. That's right. Uh, so... <laughs> What makes uh, this person successful is their ability to focus and listen. Uh, the, the, the background that he has allows him to hear things and extract subjective information and couple that with objective data to yield and generate what is important to his clients when buying or selling a home, right? So he's assisted many people um, in the Atlanta area, so much so that he has quickly ascended to the Realtors Association top producer in 2018 and 2019, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, yes, yes, he uh, is part of that gravy train, Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, he is one of the services leading edge status in 2018 and 2019, which means that he's in the top 7% of Berkshire agents. Listen to this, not just across the country, but worldwide. Oh. Wow. Uh, he will also be a featured rising star agent in the trade publication, Greater Atlanta Real Producers, in their December 2020 edition. So for those of you that are out here in the A, definitely look out for that. I don't know where we can pick that up, but we'll find out. Um, and then his service area includes Cobb County, Fulton County, DeKalb County, and he represents buyers and sellers. And he also does it for uh, healthcare providers, commercial real estate, and investor representation. Uh, when this gentleman is not assisting his clients, he is a super sport fanatic. He's a recovering uh, sport fanatic, uh, <laughs> meaning he was the guy that no matter where he was, he was paying attention to what was going on uh, via sports. And then he prides himself on his integrity, honesty, and responsiveness, and believes that this is what drives his success. Uh, he currently lives in Smyrna, Georgia, not too far away from Art, with his Smyrna. amazing wife and two, two beautiful children. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you uh, Dr. Realtor, Peter Beckford. Hey, I like that, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I like every week just for my uh, self-esteem. <laughs> just for your self-esteem. So listen, so I told this man to send me a bio and then he sends me and says, oh, here's a short bio. And it was like, it would have been like two pieces of paper long <laughs> in 12 point font. But it's, it's, listen. It's, it's, the short version, man. Short version. I, I had to get through most of it because how often do you meet somebody that is a doctor and gives up being a pharmacist, a doctor for how many years? Man, 18. 18 years in the field. So not even at the entry level. Oh, no, no. Um, 
not even at the entry level pay scale, we're talking about somebody at an established name your price pay scale um, and walks away <laughs> to pursue realty, right? And a lot of times we get on, on, on the podcast, we talk about your purpose versus your platform um, and what is the ultimate goal. So I think we'll start there, Peter. Uh, what, why, what in the world would make you leave all this time you put in and you decide I'm going to go from being a pharmacist, from being a doctor. I don't, he doesn't even push around his title of doctor. He's just the realtor that's helping you get your dream home. Um, what pushes you to make such a change? Man, first it wasn't easy. And I'm not going to lie to you like, Oh, you know, it, it was easy. No, it wasn't easy. Uh, everything you said in regards to what other people or thinking, I was thinking, this is crazy. I invested over six figures in my, um, in my education. I'm established, I'm comfortable, uh, all that. You know, I, I, I'm, I consider myself fortunate and that I've, I've lived a good life. But I kept on asking myself, am I completely fulfilled? And is this truly what I want to do? Now, if I had to guess, I would dare say all of us um, have been told since we were younger that, you know, we should go to school, get a good education, you get a good education. And what's the next step? You get a good job, you get a good job, then you get a house, you live happy ever after. Well, I, I, I followed all that. I did all that. But, you know, being in a controlled corporate environment, which healthcare is, uh, you realize that you don't have as much autonomy, room for growth, uh, room to develop your own ideas and control of your ultimate destination. And I would dare say, ultimately, that was the leading factor into making the, the full-time jump from healthcare to real estate. Um, you know, the jump, and it honestly doesn't matter if it's real estate or something else, whatever your purpose is and you feel is what drives you, what would wake you up in the morning um, and, and, get you motivated for free, if you're able to do it, that's something that you should strongly consider. And that, that's where I was at. I felt like I did have a passion. Now we can go back into other things, you know, growing up uh, in Miami and I was in West Perrine for all those who are, you know, familiar with Miami. And I would drive by uh, Coral Gables and Old Cutler and Pinecrest. And I would see these homes and wonder, you know, how come my situation ain't quite like that? And it was just a seed. It, it wasn't much more thought than that. But then like, you know, any other child, I would say, you know what, my time is going to come. And when my time comes, I'm going to have that house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm going to have this situation. I didn't know exactly how to get it or whatever, but I just knew that would happen. Over time, though, I realized several things that affected, you know, why people like myself weren't in those positions. And you know, we could talk about that later, but that was one, having autonomy of my time again, uh, more time with my family and being in control. And then ultimately the ability to, uh, you know, write my own check as a function of my efforts. I'm a person that, you know, I'm, I'm a type A, I put in maximum effort and I'm okay if I don't get paid, if I don't put a lot of effort, a lot of effort. But if I put a lot of effort into something and I'm capped at a ceiling, Inside, I have a hard time with that. 
You know, I, I, I know what I give up when I put maximum effort. I, I correlate things immediately. Time away from family, away from life. Um, you know, time missed that are, are, you know, important moments where I'm given to someone else as a boss or a corporation. I can't put a dollar value on that. That's priceless. Mm. So mm. for me, I would rather honestly take less money, bet on myself and my efforts without a ceiling and control how I use this commodity that we don't have an unlimited reservoir of, which is time. We, we just don't have that. So I'll manipulate it the way I want to. I'll bet on myself and we're going to see what's happening. That's it. Okay. Okay. So man, there were so many things right there. We could build a whole podcast off right. of what you just said without even getting <laughs> into the real estate part, right? Because behind probably, um, and, and look, I'm not stereotyping anybody. It just is what it is. Behind Asians, Africans, Indians, then probably comes the Caribbean folks where um, your parents put a lot of pressure on you to be um, a doctor, a mm -hmm. lawyer, um, mm -hmm. make something of yourself. All the pressure. <laughs> all, all, all the pressure. And then when you, you, you go through and maybe when you initially get to school, you're not as focused as you need to be. You end up going to another school. You end up going through all these things to get this doctorate. What was that conversation like with your parents? Because for a lot of people, they tend to wonder how they end up in the track that they did not realizing that the dream they were pursuing was not their dream, but it was their parents' dream. So to be honest with you, I realized that latter part that you just mentioned, I would say later in life, like that, that dream that my parents wanted. Now, you know, my family is from Jamaica and, you know, we, we migrated to the States first to uh, New York and then to Miami, Florida. And like several immigrants, their, their purpose was opportunity. Mm -hmm. Their goal was opportunity. So the means to the opportunity is education. That's what was instilled in me from birth, probably from the womb. That's mm -hmm. all I, I, I could hear reverberating in my ears constantly. Mm -hmm. So I heard it. It really didn't sink in un, until later. You know, I wasn't the best student in high school. I just didn't focus, not that it was an ability thing. It just was something that... I was into other things at the time. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so it got to a point, however, where those choices were going to lead me down a path. I'd graduated high school. And so the rubber meets the road, right? Right? Because we're at a point where we're going to have to take care of ourselves soon. And, you know, certain things happen. And my parents said, listen, you can go back to school. I'm sorry, go back to Jamaica and go to school in Jamaica, which I didn't see as a good fit for myself. Or you can go to, um, to a school that I went to that they felt was better suited for my needs and stage where I was at. And I looked at all those items and I said, okay, I'm going to go do this. And that's what I did. And I just straightened up, you know. Um, again, I had to face facts of reality, which was you could choose this path and it leads you here or that path and it leads you there. So for me, I, I just straightened up. Um, I got a mentor, which was a very uh, integral part of my development. I had to see someone that was doing what I was thinking about doing that looked like me. In Miami, it wasn't a lot of examples like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it led to that turning point 
where I had to look at other examples that were successful or, or representative of the possibility. But growing up in, a, in, in, in Miami, there wasn't a lot of examples that looked like me. And I was mimicking to an extent what I saw on a day-to-day basis. But it wasn't until I did have a mentor that I could look at and I thought, man, if he can do it and he looks like me, that it was even feasible. Mm-hmm. Not to mention when I, when I went to school, you know, I went to an HBCU and I saw a whole bunch of people that look like me. And then all of these people were doing, you know, all these great things. I was like, you know, I need to get on this train and get serious. Right. So me personally, that's what, what happened. Okay. Okay. So I told you all to get your notebooks out and, and take notes, right? Because already there's, there's, there's a couple of gems that have been dropped. Uh, one being who, whose dream Whose dream are you living? Whose dream are you striving for? Right. The next one was, okay, you have a dream. What example do you have in front of you? Who, who, are, who are you looking at that may be similar to you that can show you that it's possible? That's going to be willing to help you accelerate the curve. Because a lot of us, what we do is we get out there and we feel like if we ask for help, or if we look to somebody for mentorship, it's a sign of weakness when it's actually ultimately the biggest show of strength because you're willing to say, here is where I am having struggle. Will you help me? It takes a level of strength and determination to do that that a lot of us shy away from. But I didn't want those two to get away before we get into some of this other stuff because some of you money-hungry money folks go miss the lessons because you're like, all right, hurry up and get and tell me how to buy a house. Get to the real estate. <laughs> right, get to the real estate part. Right. But I, 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 I told y'all, y'all, you guys know how we do. When we bring people, when we bring guests on, we don't just bring just anybody. We bring people with a story. And when I heard this one, I was like, okay, we can't let this one get by. Mm-hmm. We got to go ahead and do this. And Peter, just so you know, um, usually what happens is once people appear on here, um, right. we don't know what it is, but all of a sudden they just catapult and they get out of our reach. And we're just like, <laughs> Remember when we could call such and such and get them on our podcast hey, without issues? Listen, I will never forget. Right <laughs> never, never. I appreciate never. that. And I will hold you to that. Right, right. <laughs> nice. All right, well, let's get into some of the real estate stuff. So um, we know why you went to real estate, right? A um, little bit of personal freedom, I like to call it. I like to coin it as that because... Uh, you have the ability to make sure that you're getting what you're worth, no cap, um, set your own schedule, spend time with your family, all super important things. Now you're in real estate. What are some of the things that you've seen during your time in real estate that just make you scratch your head and you're just like, wait a minute. When I was driving through Coral Gables and I was driving through uh, Pine Crest and all these places. Now I understand why I didn't see people that look like me in those neighborhoods. Ooh, I don't, I, do you do you really want me to answer that? Yes, <laughs> yes. that's a, that, that that's a very deep one, man. Not now you're talking about. Whew, you're talking about disparities in general in real estate, which is what I've learned over time, and and you know being an investor and seeing things firsthand and being on the street, on the beat, if you will, of real estate that I've learned. Oh my gosh. Um, 
going to sound crazy, but you can take it back to slavery. You mm. can take it back as, as far as, you know, so, not, not all slaves got their 40 acres and a meal. Well, why, why, why would that be important? Well, that's, that, that's value. That's equity. That is um, wealth generation. Let's fast forward. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> take it a step further and consider the reason why they had to enact certain laws against redlining why they had to enact the the fair housing act let's back up let's back up so redlining okay. We'll okay. explain that for the, oh, I'm, for the all right I'm, I'm sorry so redlining was this practice that was really like in the the 60s that was practiced by lenders what they would do is essentially they would mark certain areas as credit risk but guess mm. what a lot of the areas that were credit risk were areas that were populated by people that look like you and I. Mm -hmm. Wow. So consider this for a second, because this is extremely deep and powerful. So they set literally generations back by saying, okay, we're going to falsely influence the supply and demand by decreasing demand. You can't get a loan to go in these areas they're no longer desirable. Mm. So as a result, the people that were in these areas like you and me, well, guess what? Their property value went down. Well, what happens when property value goes down? There's no support in tax dollars, no support in tax dollars in what happens. School systems- No support in schools, no support in infrastructure. Infrastructure goes down, job availability goes down. So when you ask me and you're, and you're saying, you know, what do I see? Uh, is between those neighborhoods that I used to see and even until this day that I see now in Metro Atlanta, we haven't recovered yet from that time. The equity growth in these areas that I'm talking about that were redlined uh, versus the areas that were green lined that didn't have those inhibitory lending practices is extremely significant from that time until today. And we're talking about generations at this point. And we're talking about significant equity and wealth lost. Yep. Wow. That's a... how can we, So how can we fight that? I, I, I can name off neighborhoods in Atlanta right now, man. I moved here in 2005-ish. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming here and there are certain areas of Metro Atlanta that I would look at. And redlining was supposed to be um, stopped in the 60s. I distinctly remember there are certain areas where there was a lot of lending, I'll say malpractice, that inhibited growth of our neighborhoods that are now, next reason why there's disparities, it's leading to gentrification. And what happens? Wait a minute. All of a sudden, when these things are being gentrified, now guess what? It's green-lined. So green but what happens then? Now the people that were once in there being bought up, they can't afford it. Their taxes are too high. They gotta sell them. Man, and 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 don't don't you know get me started about you know predatory lending that led to the the housing crash of the late two thousands. And there's a lot of different reasons why there's disparities, man. It's it's sad. It's frustrating. I see it sometimes. I don't believe that people want to believe it, but it's real. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so this is happening. 
this is happening. Yeah, and that's a head scratch moment. I had to yeah. scratch my head. You already made me scratch my head several times during this already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but how do we combat that? What is... <laughs> what do you want? The, 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 the PC answer? No, there's nothing PC. No, keep it, the keep it raw. Floor. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, man. So... Remember where I started in the conversation, right? It sounds crazy, but look, we're at a deficit. Mm-hmm. So when you say deficit, then you think, well, how can you make it not a deficit? Reparations? So when people say reparations, a lot of times I think they immediately think, well, you think that you deserve a check and we're just going to give you a check. No, not necessarily in that form. But maybe it can be in a, in, in a way where there's certain incentive the African-American community that would make it easier to acquire real estate. For example, I'll give you a good example. If we're not owning a home, what are we doing? We're, we're renting, right? We're renting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times rent, especially nowadays, ain't cheap. No. So is the problem that we can't afford to live or pay a mortgage or that we don't have the means to put a down payment on and be qualified. So reparations again, maybe they have some uh, programs that are specifically designed for African-Americans where they decrease the amount of down payment required, where they provide an opportunity for the the, uh, market interest rates on loans to be some, maybe a point, point and a half, I don't know, to a point where these disparities start to narrow. You know, there's a big, uh, there's a big difference between um, uh, African-American home ownership and our other, you know, ethnic brothers across the country, mm-hmm. across the country. It's large. So, you know, once we get closer to that, you know, being uh, that, that gap being bridged, then, you know, we go from there. But that's an example or a thought. You know, you could start there, man. Make it easier for us to attain home ownership. So we're not just paying rent month after month, not building equity over time and wealth, and not being able to tap into that wealth for our generations. Because, again, our, our, our brothers, Caucasian and other ethnicities, they've been using that as the basis of their wealth to tap into, well, how are we gonna pay for college? Well, let's tap into the equity in the house. You can go to college, John, and you know, get your degree. We don't have any, any, any home ownership to tap into any equity, any wealth. We're paying rent. Right. So then yeah. what can we do? Nothing. We gotta keep, keep, keep renting. Trade. I'm sorry. Keep renting. Keep renting, take out loans and build on more debt. That's, that's the name of the game for all those years. I'm a fervent believer in um, diversity and portfolio, but I'm also a a firm believer in, of course, real estate being the backbone of a portfolio. And if to me, you don't have that backbone and, you know, these rocks upon which to build, you know, your, your wealth on, it's going to crumble, man. It's going to crumble. I got a question, Kay, and, and it leads to this. So, Peter, um, most realtors and 
most I've spoken to or talked to or kind of asked before when I was in a wrenching phase, um, most of them, if you say, oh, the deposit isn't ready yet, but I'm going to start looking and want to start talking, can you help me with their process? It's a waste of their time. Oh, well, you're not ready yet, so come to me when you have your $10,000 saved up or your twenty grand saved up. But the question would be is, how do I, how does someone who is not there yet get the motivation and confidence to have a realtor that will work with them over time to say, hey, there's some programs you can work through. Here's things you can, you can do versus just say, get your money together and when you're ready, call me later on. Right. Well, the first thing I would say is to call me. Um, I consider it like, like an a incubator, but I have, you know, uh, clients that are just like that, that I partner with lenders and, uh, you know, credit repair folks that can guide them on the best ways and mechanisms to get to their, their, their goal of home ownership. And there's no magic trick to this, in all honesty. So I don't want to fool anybody in thinking, oh, well, you know, call Peter and tomorrow you're going to be in a mansion. Ain't happening. <laughs> However, I am patient with my clients to assist them along the path so that when the time is right and when they're seasoned, we can go for it. And I don't care at any price point. Because again, wealth can be built at any price point. I don't care if it's $100,000, so long as you're building wealth. Remember, you're, you're buying at 100, over time it's gonna gain wealth or, or gain value and you're paying down on a principal. Mm-hmm. So that, that difference is called your equity. That difference is what you can tap into and what I was talking about earlier about you know, how we can use it as a tool to further ourselves and, and grow. So yeah, they, they can, like me, I prefer to reach out to me or someone like myself and ask them about whether or not they have a partner that they work with, a lender that can tell them about the different programs, as, as you mentioned, that may be available to them for down payment assistance or different programs that they may have available to credit repair that can look at their specific needs and get them qualified. You know, I, I want to say another thing. I think a common misconception too with folks that may be renting is that they need a a, a, a credit score of 800. Mm-hmm. Not true. And that they need 20% down uh, to purchase a home. It's not true. It's not true. Believe it or not, there's uh, folks out here that are getting that are getting homes um, with, with credit scores as low as 580 in some mm-hmm. cases. And with, you know, money down as little as three and a half percent. And in some cases, no money down. Now, everybody has different profiles and they present differently to different lenders. And then these different lenders have different risk thresholds that they're willing to assume. But just like love, man, there, there, there's, there's somebody for everybody. There's a loan for everybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get that love out love there. That. So, yeah, it's, it's out there. Nice. So let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about the people that are getting into homes and buying stuff. What are some common mistakes people do when they're buying homes? <sighs> common mistakes. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you like one, one gross mistake. And this is when you said when they're buying as an in the act of, which is crazy. Um, but you have to be careful of. Changing your credit profiles, and, and, and I'll tell you specifically how this can result and be so seemingly innocent. Say, for example, um, I'm working with someone and they are buying a home and we're looking and their credit is fine. They're like, you know what? I want to make my credit even better. 
because I want to get the best interest rate. So I'm going to close uh, one of my credit cards that I'm not using. Oh, man. <laughs> they don't tell me because they think they're doing a good thing. They're not buying anything, right? Right. So what does that do? That's so bad. Well, they have a certain uh, loan limit that they're allotted that's associated with that credit card. So if the credit card limit is $10,000 and they close it and then they have uh, $4,000 on another credit card, well, guess what? It changes their debt to income ratio, which is exactly what lenders use to determine how much you can afford. So now instead of looking for a home at $350,000, you can look at homes at three fifty. dollars We've got to look for something a lot less. Mm-hmm. It seemed, but it's happened to a client of mine before. And it's sad because great prospective client credit is even good, but they can't afford nothing now, or at least not what they want. And trust me, when you get a certain taste and flavor for a certain type of real estate, and then I tell you, well, you know what? You got to decrease your budget by a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> that's not, not so sad. So yeah. sad. It's not popping. The other is, you know, when, <laughs> when, when, and conversely, when, when I have a, a client and they feel like they've um, satisfied all the requirements of the loan and, you know, they get a, you, you know, to the point where it's time to close, you know, maybe a week prior to. And so they're feeling great. And they say, you know, I got a new house. I got to get a, a car to match, right? Of course you got to get a car to match. <laughs> mm. Two, three days prior to closing, they show up with a new car. Show up at a closing with a new car. No bueno, especially in, especially in this climate right now where lenders and their um, underwriting is extremely finicky and it's to the last second and they're checking everything. Mm-hmm. And if your profile changes, I'm sorry, we can't give you this loan. Oof. You can enjoy your new car. But this house you were thinking of, you gotta let that go. Wow, those are our 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 big big mistakes. And it's common. You see that, like? No, I see that. No, oh, no, man. it happens. It happens. Wow. There's nothing, of course, I can I can do. You know, I I tell my clients, you know, all the time. But you know, sometimes no yeah. So, so, so would you say uh, a good thing to do? Right. And obviously, look, I just closed on my house not too long ago. Art just did his. Mm-hmm. Um, is it probably good for you to take a house buying education course before you get into it? So that It definitely doesn't hurt. I know that there's some programs that will actually give you uh, additional benefit for taking mm-hmm. such courses. Sometimes you can get certain points. Uh, to be decreased on your interest rate if you're getting a mortgage. Um, so it may go from, you know, the, the current 30-year mortgage averages somewhere around 2.875, 2.75. So they may give you a discount of like maybe 0.25, which is real mm-hmm. money that you're going to be paying throughout the life of the loan. So that's significant. Sometimes you'll get uh, a discount through insurance. Um, and just for yourself and knowledge base, I'm, I'm into knowledge and I'm into knowing what I'm getting into and you know, what's at stake and at risk and how it can affect me. So it's always wise to educate yourself as much as possible about 
what you're going to be responsible for once you sign at closing, et cetera. So absolutely. Yep. Can we talk about that 2.8 though? Yeah. Wow. That is, that is, that's crazy. Yeah. The rates are, are there now. I remember when it was five and I, I was happy to get a 3.5 when I got my mortgage. Yeah. And see now go down 2.8. I mean, at this point, it's not worth the re refinancing costs, but uh, that's, that's just insane. It's insane. And, and I, I tell folks, it's an awesome time to buy if you're in position to buy. But think of the last time that rates were this low, Art. Do you remember when that was? That was in, right after, before the, uh, the crash, right? Exactly. <laughs> so ain't it funny that when things are their worst, interest rates are their best? Well, it's, it's because it's an artificial um, way to prop up the economy. Mm. And they have no choice but to because the real estate sector is such an integral part of life and everything we do with this economy. Can you imagine if they had the interest rates that you just spoke of at 5%? My first home, I had an 80-20. I had no money to put down, all right? Let's uh -huh. get focused. <laughs> at an 80-20, my first interest rate on the 80 was, I think, 5 and five and a quarter or something. Like that. And the second one was like seven or eight something. Oof, it's a jump. A scary jump. <laughs> We're talking about interest rates at 2.87. Listen, I have a client right now that's under contract. He's a veteran. Guess how much his interest rate is? I'm, I'm, I'm going to 30 years. I'm hoping it's 1.6 for him. I'm hoping. I wish it was. It ain't that long. Oh, no. uh, I'm hoping. The man, the, the, the poor, the poor <laughs> man, the man, the work but it's, the country. It's, it's, it's 2.25. It, it blows my mind. Oh, my God. It blows my mind. But um, but yeah, it's 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 literally uh, you know you know the interbank lending, doing their best to prop up the economy, because without it we would be in even worse you know conditions situation we are right now. So so so, so let's talk about that. So you got low interest rate, mm -hmm. but then you still got low inventory. Mm -hmm. So what <laughs> type of climate is that causing right now? And when we talk about strategies, Ooh. right, which. Yeah. Um, during our situation, we went through several strategies to try to make this happen. Yes. But what advice could you give people that decide they want to take advantage of this uh, unprecedented time? The first thing I would say is clearly define what you want, what's most important to you, and what you are willing to uh, be lenient with in regards to what you're looking at. The opportunity is tremendous. Inventory across the country has been super low. Um, one of the primary reasons is because the resale market and you know homeowners in general that would consider selling under normal conditions don't feel comfortable opening up their house to the general public mm -hmm. to come in, look, touch, feel, for obvious reasons. And that makes sense because it's not the most safe thing. It is what it is, right? So you have this decreased inventory by like 25 plus percent year over year. Mm. And then you have these low interest rates. And then at one point we were locked down for what, two and a half, three months. And yep. so it led to this volcanic eruption of built up demand, low inventory, so when the rains were kind of released a little bit, there was an explosion. Homes were going, 
within hours, uh, uh, multi-offer battles in the wars. So what, what can you do? Know what you want, know specifically the, the area, what are your objectives, and then head toward that full steam ahead. Um, and pray. That's the best thing I, I, I can tell you. And, and, have a, <laughs> and, and, and have a realtor that, that's ready with a lot of different options on how to attack it. You know, Carol, you mentioned our situation. Carol can tell you there, there were times where we were at homes within hours and there were cars coming out of the, the, the driveway and I was elbowing um, my, my agent colleagues to move because I had reserved the time and they were in my time slot. I was there. I, w- I, I came. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> and, and, and I literally had to lock other agents out. This is the climate that we're in. So the next thing I would say is because the, the, realist, the, 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 the interest rates on the loans are so low, your purchasing power is greater. And so if it's something, if you have to move, you have to move. Mm-hmm. So you're going to encounter situations where it's going to be extremely competitive. You have to enter that situation know what you're, knowing what your limit is. I've been in situations with, with, with Carol and I've told him, hey, we can go in this situation with no cap, man, and we, we can go blow for blow with these people. <laughs> yep. And, and, and Carol was like, let's do it. You know, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's a decision the that 13th you have floor, to The 13th floor audience... <laughs> They know me. They know I didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a situation that you have to determine what's most important to you. If you just simply love this house and by any means you want the house, then no cap. Let's, let's go for it. If you feel that you like it, but you're going to give the the asking price, but you're going to cap your offer at a certain dollar amount Mm -hmm. then let let's cap it. You know, if you want to waive certain contingencies, due diligences, or whatever, or you realize you come to a point where this is where the market is and it's not going to get better. You have to do what's best for you in your situation. Mm-hmm. But with that information, I'm then armed to act on your behalf and you know, we can do it. Any home that anybody wants can be had for a price. Remember that. The yeah. question is, how much do you want to pay for it? There it mm. is. There it is. Mm. Okay, can we can we flip to the to the opposite side? I, sure. I know we have sure. some some listeners that would love that just bought houses or are currently in houses or in the thoughts of what happens after I buy my house. What are the things I should do? Because you know when you're renting, everything's easy. You make a phone call, take care of it, you're good to go. You pay your rent, you're fine. When you're homeowning, you tend to see a lot more things that you're just like, wait, why is that there? Or repair this, or call this for maintenance. So what are some of the, some things you can share with um, new homeowners um, or those that are in that process to look for or prepare for after they sign that, uh, that dotted line? Right. Um, there, there's a lot of things you could do both before and after, you know, and again, it depends on the situation and uh, how it presents. Before, you know, with, with any home purchase, you're going to get an inspection. It's going to tell you a lot. It's going to tell you exactly what you need to be mindful of in a condition. And then you as a buyer have to determine whether or not that's within your threshold of acceptance, whether you want to bring it up with the seller to, uh, you know, mitigate and resolve 
or whether you want to just leave the home on a shelf and look for something else. Once you get past that, and after you have the home, uh, you, would, you would consider getting a home warranty if you don't feel that confident in a home, or even in general, if you just want to have the security and peace of mind uh, that if you know an appliance breaks down, you don't have to come out a pocket fully and pay for it. Um, there's different you know, warranty programs that are available for that. And also, um, I would say, as relates to maintenance vendors, I'm always about you know, uh, competition for your business. Contact several vendors as it relates to you know, maintenance issues for your, your home and getting the best vendors for the best prices to serve your needs and what you, what you want to have accomplished. You know what I mean? Hmm. For, the, for the best quality and price that you're willing to pay. Some people forget about quality, man. They just want price, and then they find out that they should have been thinking about the quality, too. So <laughs> right. absolutely correct, sir. Yes. You don't want to have to pay for the same repair twice. Because normally that person that gave you poor quality is going to give you poor customer service on the back end when oh, you complain yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want to get into that, man. Especially when you just moved in your nice, brand-new house and you want to feel good. Remember, you got to come into this house every day after work. Yep. Yep. You want to be reminded, I'm working hard, but it's going toward this place of serenity and peace. And if you don't have that, or if it doesn't give it to you, you're going to start questioning yourself and psychologically can go down from you. We don't want that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's shift to uh, some of the people that they played their cards, right? They've been in their house. Um, but we want to help them out with generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Right. So Art just talked about you just moved in your house. What things do you do? Let's, what is the strategy for people that want to perhaps rent their house and now go out and buy another house? So a lot of this, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because there's different ways that you can do this. I, I was about to say there's a hood way and then there's the, you know. The, the <laughs> <laughs> so That's all right. We got some hood folks that listen on, right, the, on, right. on the podcast. So Right, right. So say, for example, I have a house and, you know, I've, um, you know, grown professionally and, you know, I'm, I'm making a little more money and I'm like, you know what, I want to uh, buy up and I, I want to keep this house as an investment, maybe rent it out. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, you, uh, you start looking for a house, but before you do that, you go to a lender and you say, hey, I'm going to buy another house. And they're going to ask you, okay, for what? At that moment, you can say whatever you want to say. I'm just telling you the real deal. Mm-hmm. So you can say, well, I'm going to get a second home. Okay. Well, certain lenders have different criteria for what qualifies as a second home. So some lenders will say it has to be a minimum of 50 miles from your primary home. Okay. Uh, and with that, there may be a down payment that may, may be more than what would be required otherwise if it were, this was your sole home, right? So as it is right now, for the most part, you can get a 30-year conventional loan with 5% down. Well, if you're getting a second home and uh, it's you know, 50 miles away, it's likely that you're going to have to put down significantly more, likely about 20% at least. Mm. And they do that for 
a number of reasons, primarily because it's a credit risk if, uh, if it's a, a, a rental that they don't know about and you're keeping it as a primary home. Mm. They want to know that you have a vested interest in this new home or the home that you had previous. So they want to make sure you have skin in the game that you're not going to be a flight risk if the economy changes or coronavirus hits or whatever happens. So you can do that though. You, you can go out and you can get another home and you can, you may want to put 20% down on your next home anyway. Everything is good. So then you have two primary homes, right? So that first home now, the, the mortgage lender is not going to call you Corella and say, Hey, we just noticed that you got a, another home. So you're gonna have to change this to an investment uh, mortgage. No, their only concern or primary concern is what? I'm getting paid. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> they could give a rat's, you know what, about anything else. As long as they're getting paid, that's fine. I'll tell you the one thing that it does uh, change is the uh, homestead tax exemption. Mm. Because there is some benefit with your homestead tax exemption, but it can only be claimed on one home. So if you're claiming a homestead tax exemption on one property, you're going to have to figure out which one you want to put it on. And that's it. So, you know, for my, my, my friends in uh, Florida, that could be significant because taxes are crazy. You can say that again. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that, that's one of the things that it could impact you. But especially if you're just starting out, you ain't heard this from me, but go for it. Get that, get, get that second house um lease out the the first house and and go from there you know if the new house that you're wanting to buy requires a a a certain down payment um see what it is if it's not something that is comfortable to you financially see if there's another lender that has a program that would allow you to get a home for less of a down payment commitment a lot of lenders have in-house um um, underwriting so there's an infinite number of scenarios that can occur when it comes to lending. It's Does that strategy change if the second house, the new house you're looking for is not going to be, you, you don't want to move, you want to, it's just an investment property. So do you, does the conversation change? You know for a fact. My wife and I were just having this conversation yesterday, in fact, because thinking about how reflecting on, again, when we went to college or we went away to different places, like we had friends and, and know people whose parents like bought houses in the area and they put it in the kid's name and start that, that credit and the equity building for themselves right there. Like we were talking about that we thing. Get no, we get a no finger wave. No, 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 no. That, that's an aha. I like that. Oh, right. check, okay. check this out. When the parents are able to put it in their, their, their children's name, that's an opportunity for you know them to be secondary and possibly for the kids to be primary. The opportunity to possibly put less down. Again, that's a that's a lender specific thing. Mm. So and those are the conversations that we were getting into about, okay, so our oldest son just started high school this year and we're thinking about, okay, so what does that mean for investment properties as far as we're not looking, we just move We've been here like four years now in our house. Um, so we're not looking to move in anytime soon, God willing. Um, but what do we do next to ha- try to help them out? Um, our, our children? Yes. 
and I don't, I don't get far off the top of where we were, but again, with that mindset of, well, the, the scenario you painted was moving to, um, us moving to another house, but that, not that this is strictly for investment purposes. What is the strategy then? So, so there's an infinite number of different ways to invest in real estate, but I'm going to highlight one that I personally experienced when I was in, in college that my roommate's father employed. So this was in uh, Silver Springs, Maryland, uh, very close to Howard University. And same thing that, that you're talking about. What, what they wanted to do was instead of paying money to the, the school for um, you know, uh, boarding, they said, instead, we're gonna buy real estate and we'll allow the equity to grow over the years that you guys are there. Uh, Peter, you can be um, a tenant and we can have another tenant that's paying uh, uh, rent also. So if, if I could imagine, I, I don't remember the numbers, but I doubt the mortgage is over at that time, seven, $800 a month, three bedroom uh, uh, townhome. So if you have uh, two people alone, plus his son that wasn't paying obviously, but two people alone that are paying rent, say at 600 a month, which is cheaper than what the university is charging for board, they're clearing 400, well then guess what? That's a good margin. The son is in that same investment. So they're, you know, they're, they're in-house checks and balances, if you will. Um, they're gaining equity over time. They're paying down principal. They're winning. By the time my uh, roommate's father uh, sold the, that particular townhouse, he made tens of thousands of dollars off of that. And it was off of my back, paying rent. So what, uh, what, what I'm saying in all that is that you can look at it, you know, as, as your, your, your son or, or your child is getting close to that time to uh, go into college. And this is just one example. And you can say, you know what, if, it, if there's an option for him to uh, go into off-campus housing, maybe we consider doing a, a three or four bedroom and renting out the different, the different units. Mm -hmm. that's, exactly, that's exactly what I propose. Like, no matter yep. where you go, it would be worse it'll be worth the investment to a townhouse person, no matter where that, unless we're on like Coral Gables or something, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> but again, invested in that property, charging like the same scenario, like that's the same as that scenario that I posed. Again, that's me not really knowing the background, but understanding like this is a different time and we have to start thinking about these things and processing, because again, when I came down to Florida, my parents didn't know it was room and board. And when I moved out and rented a house later on, rented an apartment later on, it was because I chose to do so and I was working. I couldn't rely on anybody else. And again, they owned their house, whatever, but we didn't have that information to pass on. We're in a different information stage right now that we have to start building it and letting our kids know why we're doing this and what we're doing this for. That generational wealth is not just for the next generation, it's for generations to come. Exactly. And, and that's why when I was talking earlier about that whole thing with redlining, it's still crippling us today. And uh, um, another point that you just mentioned is we need our children to see this in action. They need to understand that this is, should be a part of their everyday life. Like this whole thought, philosophy, concept of using real estate as a means to generate wealth. 
how it can be manipulated. Because again, it, it's, it doesn't have to be that way. It could be uh, multi-family uh, um, housing. It could be uh, flipping. Um, it, 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 there's, there's so many different ways that you could spin it. But what's most important is that our children see this as an option, an opportunity to learn about and then act on, not just be a viewer from the outside thinking that they cannot participate. Mm -hmm. and, okay, so so thought for you, and, and I know we're running running long, but I love this topic, and this is a vested interest in me. So I will never pull the the bell saying it's time to cut it off <laughs> and the mindset. It's all night, man, because. Yeah, this is this, so this much. Is yeah, I, I continue to talk about, but it's uh, and, and it's one of the reasons why I'm, I decided to go into this route because I am passionate about it. You know, in addition to wanting time, mm -hmm. I was looking at real estate nonstop on Zillow all the time. Anyway, man, my <laughs> wife just straight up told me, "You wasting all this time looking at real estate and whatever you might as well get licensed." And I said, "You know what? <laughs> cool. Thank you. <laughs> you got a point." There you go. So two <laughs> two questions I'll ask you. For one, um, for those who are looking to get into get into real estate and are looking now in the process behind it, um, what are some best practices you can share with them? It's the first question. As a profession? Then, as a profession, yes. So going to get the, the license, going through the process behind it, getting getting uh, associated with a, a larger company. Um, question one. Question two is. Um, and those who want to invest in real estate, um, we make sure we give them their contact information for you so they can contact you, talk with you, you can vet them out properly, but I wanna make sure that you share that with them for those who wanna invest in the Metro Atlanta or outside, wherever you do cover. Um, plus, so uh, first question is those who are looking to get into real estate, best practice, give us the top two. I know it's a lot you can do, but what are the top two things you think back and go, these two things help me get to this point or help me pass at least the, um, the requirement for the test or certification. Okay. The, the first thing I would say is have a healthy respect for the knowledge base of what you're about to go into. Um, you know, I got a doctorate, but honestly, I've seen other people with doctorates, professional people fail and end up getting frustrated and not get licensed as a realtor. And there's no excuse for that. I'm a firm believer in that anybody can do anything if they put their mind to it. And if they're truly passionate and convicted that that's their, their call. So number one, take it seriously. Um, find a, a, a good school that has a good reputation for uh, producing uh, a high rate of uh, passing on their state licensing. Uh, know what type of learner you are. Um, now there's options for virtual, of course, with COVID. Uh, prior to COVID, you have options where you can go in class or uh, an intense study over a short period of time. Me personally, I study on my own, so I did it online. And to be honest with you, I, I did it when I was, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, I did it when I was at work. You know, yeah, I was why not? Exactly. And, and <laughs> I was my own supervisor, but I don't want it to be, I don't want to mislead anybody. It was extremely intense study that I was doing. And I'm, I'm special in that way in that when I zone in on something, I really zone in. It's, I don't even know if it's healthy, but I really zone in. And I did that for 
about three weeks, the last week, um, I made a point to make sure that my, my family was gone. Uh, they went on a cruise. I didn't go. And I, I knew I, I had that small window and that was it because my wife couldn't stand me being so tunnel vision on any one thing beyond that. So mm -hmm. the feeling at that moment was, it's either I'm going to pass or it's a wrap. Okay. So I personally feel that in order to not waste people's time or money, that they be serious, identify the school that would fit them best, that has a good track record of passing, and then go go ham, you know, do it. Anybody can do it. Perfect. Oh, wait, 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 one more thing that's important. I, I yes. just thought, it ain't like TV. So, you know, real estate, a lot of shows out where, you know, people are, are getting out of a, you know, Rolls Royce is slow and they got the music playing in the background and the sun is hitting their faces at the right angle. <laughs> it ain't like that. You know, you're going to get cussed out. You know, people are, are going to think they know more than you and you're going to encounter situations that you're not at fault and you're going to be to blame. And you have to be prepared and willing and able to handle those situations. Um, eloquently you know with with, with ease uh you you can't um you know those things too serious to a point where it, it affects you personally it's happened and then as a result it decreases your um ability to to succeed and thrive so you you have to have an outworn personality someone who can absorb those hits and keep it pushing and you know go for it awesome and as an investor uh, share your information with us. So those who want to invest and what are your criteria for that conversation to start? Well, it's, it's my criteria starts with what's their objectives. Mm -hmm. Are they trying to cash out now? Are they looking to build, um, you know, uh, wealth over time? Are they looking for tax protection because, you know, they're getting killed in taxes um what what is their goal and what are they trying to accomplish mm -hmm. two how much discretionary income do you have that you can dedicate to this investment goal that you're speaking of and then does the line with those goals does mm -hmm. it match do you know what you're, you're getting into do you realize that if you're doing a buy and hold uh, you're, you could be the property manager and or you're going to have to pay a property manager 7 to 10% to manage it for you. Are you okay with that 7 to 10% hitting your margin and you just holding out on equity growth over time, paying down the principal and a tax benefit? Some people just want some, some margin monthly and that may not be good enough. That's not a fit, man. Mm -hmm. So those conversations you have to have and make sure that it's in line with expectations and then, you know, we can go from there and make it happen. Perfect. And then uh, I'm assuming Kara will, I'm sure Kara will say, ask at the end your information to make sure we put it out there for everybody. Um, yeah. But do you deal with rookies? Rookie off the street, hey, I just joined Aria. I'm brand new, but I got 20 grand in my account. Help me. As, as a prospective client for myself? Yes, as an investor. Someone's looking to invest. I have 20 grand in my account. I wanted, I heard about real estate. It's awesome. I just joined an area. I want to buy a house. I want to buy and hold it. I'm ready to go. Okay. Um, well, we'll fit that 20K with a property that could fit that 
particular budget for a down payment, mm -hmm. then we have to make sure that they're uh, capable of holding that property um, for the time period that is required for them to either flip it or if they're going to rent it out, that they have uh, the requisite cash in hand to maintain it, you know, if something happens um, or if it's not fully rented out mm -hmm. and there's vacancy issues, whatever the case may be, they need to be prepared. And we'll go over that completely. Perfect. So sure, again, that their objectives that they present to me can't, but I'll match their budget with uh, what, what we're discussing and, you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. And, and I tell people up front, you know, if, if you have uh, $20,000 and you're thinking of getting some 10 unit multifamily, <laughs> probably not going to happen. <laughs> Let's reassess the situation mm -hmm. goals and how we can get you potentially into something that could fit, you know, your, your, um, your ideas and maybe get you to the point where you're, you're buying a 10 unit property or more. So those who are out there, you heard a yes. There is opportunity to bring your money, to bring your opportunity, to bring your lessons to learn uh, here. You have to have the ability to learn. It won't happen immediately or overnight, but you have the opportunity if you're willing and open and ready to listen. Absolutely. Listen, some of y'all out there trying to figure out how you're going to cash out of your um, your COVID susu that you joined or your COVID, um, <laughs> you know, all these things. There's, there's oh, a place for you to pool your money and, and get consistent money that you don't have to worry about. In the gut will, with that. Oh, will, will somebody come knock on your door one day about what you were doing? Anyway, um, yes, Art, you are absolutely right. I absolutely want to know where people can best contact Peter um, either to buy a house, rent a house, make an investment um, where, and I'm telling y'all, y'all want to get it now because the man is on the cusp. I'm telling you, he's on the cusp of something <laughs> big. He's on the cusp of something big. It won't be this easy. So you want right. to get it now. No, um, I, I, I'm accepting all clients right now, buyers, sellers, investors, uh, commercial, lease, you name it. Um, you can hit me up uh, via social media, uh, Beckford Realty. Um, you can send me a message. You can email me if you want to, uh, peter.beckford at bhhsgeorgia, spelled out, dot com. Um, or I'll give out my telephone number. For, like uh, Paul, what, what was it? Uh, uh, Mike Jones, you know what I'm saying? 404-547-3151. Again, 404-547-3151. Hit me up. I pick up my own phone. And one thing I, I, I try very hard to do is be incredibly responsive. So if you reach out to me and I don't hit you back, um, it's likely I will be hitting you back soon and very soon. So um, yeah. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, he says he picks up his own phone. Um, some of you going to go out there and invest in properties. Some of you going to go out there and, and just, you know, sell whatever, whatever you're going to do to make your, your money. Me personally, I'm trying to put in my application to answer the phone for him. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> and and right? help hate doing that. Um, we, we all got got to get in where we fit in. But um, Peter, listen, man, that was, um, wow. Uh, there was so much information dropped in there. And I'm not going to do my closing now, but that was a lot, man. I, I am so happy that, that we came up with this idea and said, man, let's get you on the podcast. Because mm -hmm. some of the stuff you came with, I wasn't even... I wasn't even in my mind and I was like, oh, okay. All right. Let me just get out of the way. I'm not even going to ask questions. Just go. Um, 
But uh, that was a lot, man. And and for I want y'all to start thinking about how do we catch up? How do we we've been set back now? How do we how do we catch up? That's that's something I want y'all to think about. Just that's just homework um, because you're absolutely right. It has a just historical and future ripple through our communities, um, and we got to do something about that. So. Um, definitely thank you, man. We we will absolutely have you again. Uh, man, yes. j- just so you know, we got fellow alumni that we probably made mad that we had somebody um outside that 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 we brought in and and man, we got folks in Atlanta that we could have brought on. Um which, <laughs> right. which, yeah, yeah, yeah. But shout out to y'all. As a fellow UM alumni. Fellow UM alumni, yeah, absolutely. Frat. <laughs> and, yeah, one of Arch Frat brothers. I mean, all types of stuff. So, um, listen, man, that just gives me a, a a future thing that I have in mind. We're not gonna talk about it now. I gotta talk to Peter offline, and we'll talk to to our oh, alumni okay. folks. But okay. I got I got an idea. But anyway, uh, we're gonna keep this thing moving. Peter, if you feel free, man, we got just a couple minutes, and we're gonna wrap this thing. If you want to hang out, you can. If you gotta go, by all means. But um uh I'll hang out for for a little bit longer. How how long we, we hanging nah, out? No, 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 man. We in the home stretch. We about to wrap this thing quick. I'm about yeah. to go to Art for Art's corner. <laughs> what you got, Art? So this week I, I I'm just this is over the last year or so, or probably two, three years, you've heard me talk uh on the podcast. I've been really interested in real estate. You know, I, I purchased that first investment property in Millville. Uh, I, I love that. I love the process behind it. I'm a buy and holder. Um, so I'm looking for a long-term process. But, you know, I just want to let everybody out there know that it's okay to be fearful. It's okay to be scared. Um, but you have to take the chance to learn the information that's out there. You got to be able to put your foot into the water and make it go. Um, you can't just keep thinking. You have to make a move. Um, I always tell us you can't regret, you can never regret taking action. It's always regret not making a move. You have to take it. Um, you've heard information here. Peter dropped some amazing knowledge for us about how to get there, what to do, what not to do, which is more important, <laughs> and how to ensure you're in the right path. So if you're looking forward, do your research, get ready, ask questions attached, um, but don't let uh, the general day in and day out hold you back. Make your money, make money. And it's not going to do it by just buying material things. You have to buy things that help you grow wealth. You have to grow an investment in yourself. <laughs> That's all I got. You know, guys, know I love y'all. I can't wait to tell you more information next week or so forth. Um, but think about how you can make that dollar turn to $10. Nice. Nice. Keep it simple. Turn a dollar into $10. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you, um, you can listen to this podcast once again on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Anchor, YouTube, um, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You, if there's a platform, we're on it. Um, definitely, we want you to like, subscribe, leave comments. Man, I don't know how, 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 how much more we can beg you guys to leave comments. We definitely want to know your thoughts, your opinions. Look, if you don't like us, tell us you don't like us. If you didn't like Peter, say you don't like Peter. You know, that's fine. He, he's, he, listen, he is tough. He just told you he's got realtor skin. 
Um, but uh, listen, man, we, we want to know. We want to hear from you. And uh, as I close this out, I want to tell you this. If you listen to this whole podcast and you thought that it was just about real estate, you need to go back and listen again. Mm-hmm. Because it was more than real estate. Um, we, we talked about so much stuff. There's some of you out there right now that you're trying to do something. It's been in your mind forever, but you don't want to let go of that thing that you got to go get the thing that's actually for you. Right. Let me say it again. You don't want to let go of the thing that you got to go get the thing that's for you. That's going to be more rewarding and make you feel like you actually lived your life. And when you live, you leave here, you leave something other than bills and debt for those that are around you. So I'll say it like this. And I said it this weekend, right? Yes, this was a tragic time. Um, Uncle Tommy died. Auntie, Auntie Betsy died. All these people that you may know that they're not here anymore and you're holding on. The only memories you have is pictures. But what would happen if the memories that you had was what they left you in your bank? What would happen is if, if the memory of them is the asset that's now going to continue to get passed down from generation to generation, right? That one house that you, could, that you buy could be the beginning of the dynasty. And that's because dynasties are made out of tragedy, out of tragedies, right? And I need you to think about that, right? So what can you do? Okay, maybe it's not real estate. Maybe it's something else for you. I guarantee you it's not that susu, but it's definitely something that you could do right now to start your dynasty and make generational wealth. And we're going to leave you with that this week on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. 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 amazing.